Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour. Welcome to Wake Up the Echoes. This is Episode 9, presented by TireRack.com. I'm your host, Tony Simeone. And yes, I know Notre Dame did not get the result they were looking for on the road at Clemson. It was a tough pill to swallow, uh, a great environment down there, and Notre Dame came up just on the wrong end of that one. But they're 7-3 and three going into the bye, and as always, we had a chance to talk with the head coach, Marcus Freeman, about how they plan to attack the bye week and come out and finish the regular season on a high note. In addition to head coach Marcus Freeman, we talked to a couple of younger guys on this team. I've had a great time all year talking to the veterans, but this week we talked to running back Jadarian Price and freshman wide receiver Rico Flores Jr. It was great to talk to both of them about their respective positions and how they've adjusted to college football. Finally, we talked to Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick. He, of course, is transitioning out of the role at the end of the season, but this is his final football season. So we wanted to check in with him and check in on how he's assessed his time here as Athletic Director, specifically as it relates to the football program. So all those conversations are coming up, but as always, we start with the head coach, Marcus Freeman, and here he is. Coach, here we are going into another bye week. I know you're not going into this bye week the way you went into last bye week and not the way you wanted to go into this bye week, but let's talk about the game down in Clemson. Amazing environment being there. I had a chance to go down there and watch it. What happened? What did Clemson do that made it difficult for you guys to reach your potential down there in Clemson? You know, it's a talented football team. Um, you know, they were well prepared. Um, they played extremely hard and, and, they found a way to make those plays that, that can change the, the outcome of a game, mm-hmm. you know. And then as disappointing as it is, the outcome of the game, um, there was a lot of good. There was a lot of good. And there's a lot that we have to improve on. And, you know, the always the challenge is no matter what the outcome of the game is, the mindset of improvement, the mindset of continuously getting better is what we have to have. Um and that's what these next few days will be about, right, is understanding that we're disappointed with the outcome of that game, but we have a lot ahead for us and a lot of great opportunities ahead. And, and there is no failure of a season. We have a lot to continue to play for, and we have to get our minds back to where it needs to be, attack the work that we have to attack, and finish off this season the right way. I heard you just say say something that I think is interesting because I, I listen to and consume a lot of other Notre Dame-related content, and you said there's – no failure of a season. Mm-hmm. Seven and three, there's still two games ahead of you. You can still get to 10 wins with two in the regular season in a, in a bowl game. How do you communicate that? Because I think there is a tendency <clears throat> for fans. It's like, oh, we didn't go to the playoff. Oh, we aren't going to maybe go to a New Year's Six. There's still a lot to play for. Yeah. And I know that you and the, the players feel that way. But how do you make sure to keep communicating that? Because you can watch college football and you can think at this point, what the heck are these guys playing for? There's yeah. nothing to do. Yeah, I think – we had a similar conversation after we lost to Ohio State or we lost to Louisville, mm-hmm. right, is that, okay, we're not going to be national champions this year. And all 130 teams are chasing that. And at some point all 130, 129 teams realize they're not going to be national champions. And so the competitive spirit that, that these guys have, that we have to have, will never go away. And the opportunity to go out and, and, and play in our two – last regular season games and compete and a chance to become winners of those two contests and then to play in a bowl game and, and a chance to win that, you're going to look back and say, 
Okay, if we had a chance to be to win ten games, mm-hmm. you know, and and ten and three, is that what we started out wanting? No, but if you go ten and three and you look at this season, it's not a failure. We improved, and we have to continuously improve. And I'll say that once or twice because I want them to see the the hopes of what the season can be. But then we have to go to work and and go to work at our process that will give us a chance to finish off this season with three wins. And uh, that's the challenge, right? Here's your hope. Here's what this season can bring if we finish off 3-0. and But now let's do the things that it's going to take to continuously improve and make sure that we have a chance to finish off 3-0. I think Clemson this past week is a great example of that, right? They're 4-4 four and four and they brought everything. You can see how much that game meant to them. So hopefully it's like that for you guys. I'm going to talk about what happened on the field a little bit on both sides of the ball. So offensively, I look at it in those first couple drives, there were chances to score touchdowns, settled for three. Then in the second half, it just seemed like the offense couldn't quite get in that rhythm. So what are you guys, what have you seen maybe in the last 48 hours when you watch it back and you get ready to go into these last two games? What are you hoping to see improve in the final two games offensively to let you guys execute a little bit better on that side of the ball? Yeah, I think we, we started off the game obviously establishing our run game. Um you know, but we weren't finishing those drives, right? We had to settle for field goals, and and it's one play here, one play there that that puts us in third and long situations where the the percentage of, of converting third and eight, third and nine, third and ten plus is is not good, mm-hmm. right? And so, especially against a good defense like Clemson, and so what we have to do is eliminate that one play per series per drive that puts us in a position where we can't finish in the end zone, and then. You know, second half, we, we come out. Defense does a great job of giving the offensive ball on the two-yard line. We score. Um, then we come back the next drive and, and, and go probably 70 yards, end up with a touchdown, and then we kind of stalled. And why? Why did we stall? They did a good job of adjusting to the run. And, and so we said, okay, there's two ways to attack this. We can continue to adjust the run with some lateral running plays or we want to throw them out of um, stacking the box. And, and we didn't have success completing the balls for many different reasons, sure. right? For protection, from the decision-making, from, um, you know, at all different levels on their offense. And so we didn't flip the field. You the, know? the fourth quarter, yeah. the, the ball was just inside the yeah. 10 to start of the and drive. That, yeah. that is a result of, of all three phases. Yeah. It's not just the offense. Like, defensively, we can't let them get first downs, mm-hmm. right, to flip the field. And we got to make sure we flip the field in our special teams units. And so – it's so easy to point at one or two things, and and the only thing that does is it makes yourself feel better, right? You pass blame. If we would have just not threw a pick six, or we would have not fumbled a muffed a uh, punt, we would have won. Like that. Okay, what does that do? That that makes you feel better about the rest of it? No, there's there's plays all over the field, all three phases that must be improved on, and uh, we got to go back and go back to work mm-hmm. and 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 improve. Right, schematically, executionally, we got to improve and and make sure that we're ready to go this next contest we have. I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball because, as you said, it wasn't all bad. I thought the defense, the way they came out, I was on the broadcast saying when the, you guys come out of the locker room, it feels like they need to take the ball away. Mm-hmm. They took it away on, the, I think, the third play yeah. of the of the second half. Xavier again with a pick, Benjamin Morrison. I, I watched the game and just the secondary continues to play at a really high level. It feels like as you've watched it back. What were the positives you saw, specifically on the defensive side of the balls? I thought they did a great job of keeping you in it and getting you a chance there at the end. Yeah, they just kept battling. You know, the first half wasn't up to our standard. Mm-hmm. The defense would tell you that. Um, you know, just we 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 want to create takeaways. You know, we gave up a long forty-one touch, forty-one yard touchdown run, um, but they just continued to battle, right? And and we played well enough to to put us in a position to win that game. 
But there's a lot of plays that, that we have to correct so that each team, each side of the ball is chasing perfection, right? And and so that's the challenge is to look at the po- – there's a lot of positives, really, though, on both sides of the ball. Okay. There were positives. Um, you know, some good things defensively, really good. You know, and again, for four quarters, the way they continue to compete, they got another takeaway um, in the fourth quarter to give our offense a chance. That one was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, – again, it was a resilient group that, that continued to battle. Um and, and I'm proud. I mean, they're playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. Coach Golden has that group rolling. and uh, But there's another level, right? And we got to continue to chase that next level. You're going into the bye week here. I know we talked coming out of last bye week, you would figure out what to do. This is a different kind of bye week because the team is here. They're mm-hmm. in class as opposed to last one was fall break. So what will you guys do during this bye week with two weeks to prepare for Wake Forest? How will you guys spend it? You know, you, you got to visually – improve right watch film and, and look at the mistakes and how we can attack them but you got to have three good physical work days we got to go out and and work at the the weaknesses and deficiencies that we have like there's the challenge i have let's enhance the strengths that we have on all three phases we have strengths in all three phases enhance those make them better but really we got to fix and attack the weaknesses that we're having at all three phases we got to defensively continue to, to tackle better we got to make sure we're stopping the run we're really good in pass defense. We've got to stop the run. Yeah. Offensively, we got to continue to enhance our pass game. We got to make our pass game better, right? Enhance what we're doing run game wise, but make our pass game better schematically and executionally. And um, you know, finish in the red zone. We got to win in the red zone. Yeah. We, we can't settle for field goals. And in special teams, it's just been the inconsistent, right? The punt return, the touchdown that we had versus Pitt, and then we muffed the punt, and and our coverage wasn't great on punt, and so. Um, those are all things that you have to attack during a bye week before you really start preparing for Wake Forest. Okay, I'm going to ask you a um, bit of a unique question, but I, th- I think I think it'll make sense. So we talked after Ohio State, and I remember the way you described the way you felt after Ohio State, mm-hmm. and the physical pain. So I'm going to give you some first-person perspective and then ask you a question. So I was calling the game in Clemson this week. It was a cool experience. And I found myself at the end of the game being there, watching mm-hmm. you guys as it went the wrong direction, like, physically feeling like, oh, my gosh, they were so close and came up on the wrong side of it. So I'm, I'm like a tenth of a percent as invested as you are and the, and the players are. So what does it feel like when you guys put in all the work? Because I think there's a sense out there. It's you know, I don't know. I, I just hear and, and read dumb things all the time. But it's like, what does it feel like when because you guys are putting in the work and you just come up short? Like, what does it feel like after a game like that? You know, I think everybody goes through their own mourning process, right, okay. is that – you go from wanting others to feel your pain. You go from, you know, pointing a finger. I can point the finger as a head coach if this guy would have done it, if that guy would have done that. You go through the state of anger, right, where you're angry. And then you finally settle down and say, okay, hold on. Let's continue to evaluate. Let's not let the emotions cloudy the truth, the film, the reality of things. And and then you got to get back to work. And as I've told the team, getting back to work and really finding ways to improve doesn't guarantee you victories. We got better last week. It didn't guarantee us a victory. We didn't get a victory. But that doesn't mean this team didn't get better. If we didn't get better, then we've has failed as coaches. We ha- we, we're getting better. Like that's the every week challenge is to get better, get better faster. But it doesn't guarantee you a victory, hmm. right? And, and, and that's the challenge is that – in the midst of, of an outcome you don't want, 
can you still be motivated to get better and to improve? And that's as an individual too, right? You talk about the team, that doesn't guarantee victory. As an individual, we challenge our guys to get better. As individuals, that doesn't guarantee you a chance to start. Right. But it does guarantee you that you'll get better. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that we can control is that we didn't get the outcome we wanted. Let's figure out why. Let's find a way to improve. And let's make sure that we are a better football team before this next opportunity we get. One thing that's been fun to watch, Coach, is after you guys have not had uh, successful results, you've been great coming out of them. So I'm looking forward to seeing how you guys bounce back out of the bye week. As always, thanks for the time. We'll take a quick break. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, Notre Dame fans. This is Tony Simeone, host of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireRack.com. Much like the Fighting Irish, TireRack.com knows a thing or two about passion and performance. Their on-site test track is the gridiron, and they've drawn up a playbook to make tire buying a snap. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide, plus mobile tire installation that comes to you. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm your game day face paint, and you just rubbed me right into your eye. Now your vision is super irritated. So is that driver you just hit. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, these damages will rob you blind. So switch to Allstate. Save $468 and get better protected from mayhem, like me. National average annual savings of new auto customers surveyed in 2022 who switched to Allstate. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. This is our coldest moment of the week segment presented by Yeti. We always talk to two players, Rico Flores, Jadarian Price, a couple of young guys this week. I'm going to get to you guys' coldest moments of the year, but I want to start with Jadarian because we were talking before we started recording. We got to get this on the record. So we were talking about hoops and one mixtapes, and you were saying that you didn't know who Skip Tamalu was, uh-huh. but you knew who the professor was. Yeah. So who's the professor? I mean, the professor's just, you know, uh, the moves he did was like I would always try to do them <laughs> in my front yard with the basketball hoop and um, I remember on YouTube he would dress up as Spider-Man and, and show up to random courts and, and just, you know, kill people. He busts people out in yeah, public. It was, yeah, it was insane, but, yeah, I tried to do those moves too. They didn't really work, like, in a real basketball <laughs> game, but. <laughs> it's a carry? Yeah. <laughs> so. you, now, Rico, you don't play. You never played basketball growing up? I played a little bit, like, okay. with my cousin stuff, and I played um, on my middle school team. Okay. I didn't really I didn't keep going yeah. in high school. Did you care about one mixtapes growing up? Because this is, like, my generation when I was, like, a little bit younger than you guys, it was the biggest deal in the world. And you caught the professor, but, like, skip to my Lou, Hot Sauce, those are my guys. Did you follow it at all? Or? No, I know who Hot Sauce Hot is. Hot Sauce is nice. I know Hot Bone Collector. Nice. Um, and uh, and the professor. Yeah. Watched a lot of the professor growing yeah. up and Bone Collector. All right. Okay. I don't feel too old now, the fact that you guys can talk a little bit of AMO mixtape with me. Let's do coldest moment. Uh, I want to talk about your guys' coldest moments of the season. I've got mine in, in uh, my head for each of you, but I normally ask each player to talk about the other guy's coldest moment. So I'll start with you, Rico. What's Jadarian's coldest moment this season? Coldest moment as in like? The best moment. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought coldest, you was talking about like the weather. <laughs> um, coldest moment, I'll say... Uh, for sure, USC. Yeah, that easy, was, right? Yeah, yeah, I put it to sleep. Yeah, USC. What was going through your head, Jadarian, when you took that one to the house? Man, as soon as I, you know, took it to the right and seen a, a crease, I hit that seam as hard as I could, and I, I knew I was gone. Like honestly, like, and you know, not a lot of people run that far in a game. I mean, it was yeah. 99 yards, but the way I maneuvered around the field is really like 130 yards if you think about it. 
but you know I give a lot of props to my teammates for blocking that and you know it was it was wild I, I didn't know what to do when I got in the end zone and by that by that time I had already scored you know two three times before but yeah. still like once you get in the end zone it's like man like that just happened it, is the roar different in the stadium because like kickoff return people can go they can all come up at the yeah. same time and go oh he might go like could you hear that as you made the play yeah I could definitely hear it as I was running as soon as I passed <laughs> like the 50 and the, you know I was on the race with the kicker I could I could hear the roar from the crowd so oh, must have been cool what about Rico what's his coldest moment you've seen this year uh, Rico has a lot of cold moments mm-hmm. but I, I'd say that um, another big game for us was, uh, you know, the Ohio State game. Yep. We were on the goal line, and Enrico made that play. I, I remember watching. I, I was in the game at the time, too. I remember seeing that, that DB fall, and then Rico had the little slant or whatever, and he caught it in the back of the end zone. It was just, you know, it was amazing to see how, like, you know, the impact that had on the team. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're, we're back in this. It's It was a ball game at that point, so I think that was Rico's coolest moment. What was going through your head when you made that catch? First time in the end zone at this level had to be pretty cool, right? Well, yeah, it for sure was cool. Um, it's crazy, though, because all week, like, I had not even repped that. Like, I wasn't even the one doing that route. Hmm. And then, shoot, things happened in the game. You know, players went down and certain situations changed. So it was just, like, adapting to the situation. And we called it. I knew I knew what to do. Um, so I lined up. I had a, I had a plan in the head. And then so I just executed, but then I seen a ball like me and Sam like looked at each other. Like it was weird. Everything caught happened his so eyes. slow. Yeah, it so happened slow, slow motion. Like we looked eye to eye and he just threw it. And I just made sure I secured it, caught it, came down with it. You hit on something I wanted to ask you guys both about because we've had a lot of older guys, which is great. We love the old guys, but I want to talk to young guys because you guys have both had to make such a transition. It's so different, right? College from high school. This is your first year. So I'll start with you, Rico. But like you mentioned, it slowed down in that moment. How much faster is college? What's been the toughest thing about adjusting to college? And, like, how do you make it slow down when you when you can make those plays? Uh, college is a lot faster. <laughs> and I want to say just, like, speed faster, but just the everything. Like, your thought process got to be way faster. Mm-hmm. You got to eliminate certain situations in your head and just everything that. Like, I say the mental part is faster. Okay. I mean, people are faster, too, but... Um, that's not really like a big thing. It's really the mental aspect of the game. So the more you know on what you like, the more details you know, like the better you'll play, and how it slows down everything. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jadarian? What have you noticed? You've been here a, a little bit longer, but still mm-hmm. relatively new. Like, what, what's the biggest change been for you? What have you had to adapt to the most? I'd say in the game of football, um, you know, at this level here at Notre Dame, you're playing NFL caliber guys, so. You know, those one-on-one opportunities are going to take a lot more detail and practice and skill, and that comes, you know, work and practice, as Rico said. Mm-hmm. You know, that attention to detail with those one-on-one against those, you know, those good guys. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I'd say that's definitely, like, the biggest challenge and, and change um, at this level, Yeah, you know, college football. So. I want to ask you about your Achilles, because when, when did you hurt your Achilles? Was it a little bit more than a year ago now? Was it the summer of last year, right? Summer of 22. 22. Yeah. So you're about... 13, 14, 15 months out. What's the biggest challenge been? I heard you in an interview talk about how you got stronger. You put on more weight because you could, you know, do some stuff. But what's been the toughest thing about getting through that process? Because I see Achilles and, like, that looks like a tough one to come back from. I'd say the toughest thing was just, like, um, rebuilding that confidence, Hmm. you know, confidence in my athletic ability, Um, the confidence that I gained from from other people. You know, do, do other people still have confidence in me? And my abilities, you know, quickness, twitchy, 
because um, I showed that before in the spring when I came as an early enrollee. And the biggest thing for me was just how do I gain that confidence in myself to, mm -hmm. you know, come back and, and show what I have. But not only that, just be even better than that and faster, stronger. So, Who were the people that helped you get that confidence back on the team or on the staff? Yeah, a lot of people on, on the staff, you know, it starts with the training staff, guys like Rob Hunt, yeah. you know, our leading uh, athletic trainer. But, you know, he... He he told me every day, you know, one step at a time. It's it's a slow process, but you know, once you get to the end of the process, you realize, man, all that work I put in, yeah, you know, is helping. And and I realized, you know, all the calf strength and calf work I did, it actually increased my vertical from before I, I had surgery. So uh, it was just interesting to see that. And you know, you know, the guys on the team there for me since day one, especially the running back room. Mm -hmm. You know, those guys just being here, and I I love this team for you know having my back and. You know, yeah. I want to ask you guys a totally off-the-wall question here. Uh, I was talking to Javante Jean-Baptiste, I think like three weeks ago, and he had put out a tweet over the summer. It's a really important question. He wanted to know what you thought were, was better, orange juice or apple juice. Do you guys have an opinion? Yeah, Rico, you go first. I got apple juice. Okay, apple juice. I feel like apple juice you can drink all throughout the day. Everyone's been saying this. You're the same way, Jadon? Yeah, I'm going to say apple juice. And why is that? Because you can drink it all day, or is there something about it that I'm missing here? I think so. I think you could you could drink apple juice right before you go to bed, I feel like. Oh. like Yeah, like I feel like orange juice is like only for breakfast. I like orange juice, but I'm going to say apple juice above orange juice. Yeah. Apple juice. Apple juice. Yeah. Who was it? Who was here? It was, uh, it was Javante, and someone was being... We were trying to convince him he was wrong. I can't remember who he was with, but... You could hear in their head, they were like, oh, wait. They said orange juice, and then the second they said it, they're like, it's apple juice. Like He knew yeah, in his heart juice. that it should have been apple juice. Uh, I want to ask about being a receiver because I find it to be one of the most interesting positions because you have to line up, and a lot of times you might be running a route and you know the ball's not coming to you, or you got to run routes and you hope you get the rock and it doesn't come your way. Like, How do you develop the mindset to go out there, do your job every play, knowing that you might not get to be the one that shines at the end of that play? Uh, shoot, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> um, I say you just got to like take every play like you're going to get the ball. So you're not surprised when it doesn't come to you or does come to you. Mm -hmm. Like Coach Doug always says, be surprised that the ball doesn't come to you. Like So that, therefore, you got to do your route like the ball's coming. Like Even right. if you're the last progression, still the ball might be coming to you because you don't know what's going to happen in the pocket. Like the mm -hmm. pocket might fold, might be a rollout, scramble, drill. So you got to always be prepared. Yeah. At running back. It's it's not quite the same, but again, you get in the huddle and like your job could be a variety of things. It might not always be you're getting the ball. How do you get that similar mindset that I have a certain job, I have to commit to this one job on this play? Yeah, it's just a mentality, and you know, one of our pillars in the running back room is be a factor without the ball, hmm. and that's the same mindset as if you were running the ball on inside zone, outside zone, things like that. You know, because if you're a factor without the ball, then other people in offense have success, and then you know that just creates success for yourself because. Mm -hmm. You know, the tension maybe will go to the receivers after running back fakes a run, and then next thing you know, um, a running back will, will break a run. So it, it all works out for one yeah. another. So. Last question for both of you guys before I let Jadarin take off is just about the final two games going into this bye week. I know it didn't go the way you wanted on Saturday at Clemson, but there's still two important games left, and you got some time to get ready for the, the next one in two weeks. Just what are you guys hoping to accomplish here? What's the focus going to be like as you get ready for the last two games? I'll start with, with you, Jadarner. Um, I'll say our, our next game against Wake Forest at home, you know, we have a great opportunity um, to showcase our, our talents um, in front of our 
home crowd, Notre mm-hmm. Dame Stadium. You know, it's always great to play at Notre Dame Stadium. And, um, you know, it's senior day, so, you know, just, just being able to go out there and play for those great group of guys, you know, our seniors, uh, they've really paved the way for this program, and, and they continue to inspire me every day. So just getting ready for Wake Forest, and, and then I've never been to California. I know Rico's from California, but <laughs> our last game against Stanford, I think my mom's going to show up, and, you know, uh, we get like a few hours off, so she's gonna make me some Thanksgiving because oh, we won't we won't get Thanksgiving, to go to Thanksgiving week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so she'll, she'll. I think my family would come up for that game. So it's just you know the opportunity to you know play again at home and also travel to somewhere I've never been before. So it's yeah. pretty fun. What about you, Rico? I'll say this. Well, this bye week, you know, get everything cleaned up from the last game, get our details put together, and then move forward on with the next week, which is Wake Forest and play at home. Mm-hmm. They handle business, and then I'm excited about the get back to Cali. Yeah, <laughs> because I got a lot of people coming. You know, it's only like an hour forty, two hours nice. away from Sac, so it's like a quick drive. So I got family coming there and take care of business there also. Okay, I can't let you go now. So you brought up Thanksgiving. We got to just hit on this because I won't talk to you guys before then. Favorite Thanksgiving dish, and then most overrated Thanksgiving dish. Jadarian, you go first. This is controversial. That's fine. This is this is the show for you then. Yeah, I'm gonna say ham over turkey. Oh, yeah. So you're a, you're a t- turkey truther. You think it's overrated? Yeah, I yeah. I actually, I'm kind of coming around on that. The tur- it's, sometimes it's dry. Yeah, and it's just not really if it's what you dry, need. It's not, what yeah. what side dish are you going for? Um, my mom's baked macaroni is mm. the best, by far the best side dish I've had. All right. In my life. So. All right. Shout out to mom. Yeah. Rico? I feel like turkey and ham is both overrated. Oh. I don't like neither. So you're just all sides? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty Do you much. Ha- okay. And what's your side? Stuffing. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. When done right, it's really good. When it's not done well, it can be, uh, I'm staying away from it. But if you do the stuffing right, that's the place to be. My auntie makes some good stuff here. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you should have her bring it when you're at Stanford. I will. Okay. Sure. All right. Have to bring the leftovers. All right. We'll let you get out of here and we'll bring in coach. All right. Bet. And we're back with the action. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever? That's right, Jim. With an irresistible taste and zero sugar, Coke Zero Sugar is a must-try for any sports fan. So make sure you... Wait, Jim, I didn't mean try it right now. We're still on the air. Mmm. Best Coke ever? Take a taste, Jen. Really? No, not right now, Jen. we got a game to call. Hey, it's Tony Simeone, the voice of Notre Dame Athletics. Have you saved enough for retirement? Howard Bailey Financial is the official wealth management partner of Notre Dame Athletics, and they have a free resource that you can download right now. Get insight on taxes, Social Security, income planning, and much more by visiting retirewithpurpose.com slash echo. That's retirewithpurpose.com slash echo. Notre Dame Athletics was compensated for this endorsement and is not a current client of Howard Bailey. For more information, visit howardbailey.com slash disclosure. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Touchdown! 
All right, Coach, we're here with Rico Flores, freshman wide receiver. Uh, I want to talk about the position because we've talked about defensive back and how tough corner is. I was just talking to him earlier with Jadarian about uh, the difficulty of being a receiver sometimes. Mm-hmm. you got to run routes that might not be coming to you. When you watch the receiver play, just what's the toughest part about being a receiver in your eyes? Well, the, the thing about it is you got to be so unselfish. Mm. you got to go as hard as you can, and you might never get a reward. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I've learned about that position is that you truly – sometimes whiteouts can be selfish. They want the ball. They want to score. You know, <laughs> those guys like the ball. But you got to go as hard as you can for the length of the interval, and you might never get a reward. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the position. But mm-hmm. you better make sure when that ball comes your way, you're – you're in the right position. You're ready for it, and uh, you're not surprised. Yeah. And so that's the one of the toughest, the toughest things about playing a wide receiver position. Rico, I want to ask you about your upbringing a little bit and just how football helped you. I've read some articles about how football really helped keep you on the right path. Just what's the value of football been to you, and how it set you up for success, and ultimately able to come to Notre Dame? Well, for starters, I mean, football is everything for me because like it kept me out of the way, it kept me focus on doing something after school, you know, like, because I have school from 8, 7.30 to, what, 3.45, mm-hmm. 3.50 maybe, and then practice is like 5, so you got a little time to do your homework, and now you got to go do go do football, and that's all night almost, and then boom, you come home, take a shower, do, do your homework if you didn't finish at all, and then repeat it every day, so I feel like football kept me out of the way, um, for sure, mm-hmm. and my mom, too, she she kept me all, all shout out that. to mom <laughs> always shout out to mom what's it been like coming to Notre Dame then because you obviously got to manage a lot here maybe it's a little bit different you know but school's a big commitment here too I know it's been just one year for you how's the adjustment been my first guy here was crazy it was <laughs> very crazy the first two three weeks because first of all from California so that's three mm. hours back and then so waking up and I think I had lift at six fifteen. like lift started at six fifteen. so I'm waking up at five and that's what that's what two o'clock at home so it feel like i'm waking up in the middle of the night so it was a lot but as you go and you're maturing as the weeks go by and months go by i feel like i'm at a pace where like i can handle all of it mm-hmm. what's your adjustment been like to the weather then out here uh, when i first came it was crazy January, <laughs> it was snow i didn't see no sun for like two months so that was it was crazy to me but everybody was like it's normal like when yeah. i first seen the first snow uh, I was like, that ain't snowing a lot. It was like, oh, that's nothing yet. Like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Toughens you up, though, a little bit, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. You, you, you came here on the, a summer official visit, mm-hmm. right? Did you come during the season at all? Mm-mm. So we, I'm sure when he came in the summer, we said, hey, this is how it is, 365 days a year, you know? <laughs> and when he gets here, then the reality hits him. That's how you recruit California. Right. We'll bring you out here in August, September, right. maybe just like that. Yeah. You, you've coached a lot of different players that come in. What's the – thing you see first-year players when they come on, whether it's balancing school, maturing physically. I you know, talked to Jadarian about how he put on some some weight the last couple of years. Like, What do you see as the biggest challenge or what you guys try to focus on when you get someone on campus? What do you want them to focus on those first few months? I think each individual is different. Okay. And, and a lot comes from the foundation that's set in high school. You know, I, I use Rico as example because he comes from a great high school program. Mm-hmm. Wholesome is a they got a, a really good coaching staff, and uh, he had a solid foundation in terms of understanding how to watch film, the the schematic aspect of playing wide receiver position, and so his adjustments probably was more with with 
Okay, going to class, the time zone, the time change, the lifts and things like that. But um, everyone is different, Mm -hmm. you know, but the ability to understand time management, uh, they don't have a lot of free time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they have to understand how to manage their time and balance all the demands that Notre Dame puts on them. Um, uh, And and the quicker they can do that, Mm -hmm. the quicker they can play at their fastest level. Right. And that's the challenge. Like how do young guys play earlier than others? It's, It's the ability to understand what you're asked to do so you can practice and perform at a, a, at a high level. Like mm-hmm. they all perform well in high school because they understand what they're doing. They're just playing fast. And so the guys that can come and adjust and, and, and play and practice at a, a fast pace are the ones that usually perform um, their earliest. Rico, I want to ask you this question. It can be football-related or non-football-related, but you've been here now if you came in January almost a year. What's been your favorite part about being at Notre Dame so far? Realistically, it would be looking at the Golden Dome because, hmm. like you said, like I came from a like a rough, rough childhood. So like just seeing the Golden Dome my like, every day, like just brings me like to reality. Like okay, I'm actually blessed. Like I get to be here, uh, and because I get to be here, like that makes me want to be here even more. Um, like a lot of people don't get the opportunity that I get that where I'm from. Um, so I just look at the Golden Dome and just brings me back to like reality. Like Rico, you're blessed. So don't take advantage. Like don't take, don't um, have like excuses. Like it just calms me down. I'll yeah. say, like especially with the season, you got classes, you got everything going on. So like you got to find somewhere or something that just brings you back down to earth. Like and I feel like the Golden Dome just seeing it sparkle and you just be like, oh, okay, like that's not in Sacramento, <laughs> but <laughs> not in Sacramento anymore. Yeah. yeah, that's a great answer. I loved hearing that. I'll, I'll get you out of here and I'll ask Coach. I ask everyone. We talked about a lot of older guys. Mm-hmm. It's great to have a young guy here because we can talk about his future here. What excites you? I mean, hearing that answer that got me excited for him because you know he's going to look at that Golden Dome and and have a great future here. What excites you about Rico at, at Notre Dame? You know, I think his his opportunities for success are endless. And when you have that perspective, you have that humility, that understanding of how fortunate you are to be at a place like this. And then obviously I got to recruit Rico, so I know kind of where he's come from and what a great opportunity this is. But he understands that. Some of our players don't always understand, you know, the great opportunity they have. And so it starts with owning that position and, and he works tirelessly. I mean, Rico works so hard at being successful at school, at the game of football, and in, in life. And so uh, I can't wait to see him flourish. And he's just starting. He's done more than, than a lot of freshmen at his level, mm-hmm. right? And and I just can't wait to see him continue to build on what he's already started. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to be on the journey with him. Rico, thanks for coming by. We'll take a break. I appreciate it. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge-watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog, because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. 
Bank like the Irish when you become a member of Credit Union One, the official banking partner of Notre Dame Athletics. Open a Fighting Irish checking account to get special perks and choose from one of eight exclusive Notre Dame debit card designs so you can show your pride every time you pay. Plus, with the Credit Union One branch located just steps from campus at 1140 East Howard Street and CU One's highly rated mobile app, it's never been more convenient to bank on your schedule. Find out more at creditunionthenumberone.org slash Irish. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, special guest this week coming up on the final home game of the football season. So I thought it'd be a great idea to have the man in charge, Jack Swarbrick, join us. Jack, thanks for taking some time. This is your first time on Wake Up the Echoes. I'm not sure how special a guest I am, but I'm honored to be here. I think it's uh, it's great, and I love this format. I love what you guys have done this year. I think it, uh, it, it, it creates a nice vibe and makes people relaxed, and you've had some great interviews, so congratulations. Well, thanks. I, I don't take a lot of the credit. The people behind the scenes have done a great job of building the set, making it the couches are nice. It kind of does relax you. It has yeah. nothing to do with me. It's just you sit in a plush leather couch, and you kind of want to open up a little bit, right? I'm about to go to sleep, actually. But uh, <laughs> You could lay down. We yeah. could have a therapy session therapy if you want. Sessions. You're coming I, down the stretch here. I need that. <laughs> Let's talk football. Let's talk about your time here as the AD. I want to go back to when you started. What did you anticipate your role being as it related to football when you got into this? It's obviously a very high-profile job. And then how did it maybe meet or exceed the expectations of what you thought this job would be as it relates to football coming in? Um, well, when the day I was announced, a very good friend, Notre Dame alum, Michael Browning, called me and said, you realize you only have one job, right? And I said, what do you mean? He said, it's football. You got to get that right. Hmm. And um, it was good counsel. Uh, but But I knew coming in, there was an open question about the future direction of the football program that I, I needed to resolve. I needed to evaluate the program and decide what we were going to do. And uh, that was the first major task. Mm-hmm. It's had a lot of success in your time here. I think about 2012 undefeated season. I think about a couple college football playoffs. When you think about the football success specifically here, what are the flashbulb moments? What are the memories that come to mind about the football team? Well, the first is sort of foundationally getting ourselves in a position for that success, right? Because I agree with you. I think one year aside, um, it has been a consistently high-performing program. It's among a very small number who have made the CFP more than once during my time, and uh, really proud of that. But the challenge initially was to fix the foundation. It was broken. And um, everything about it was off. And part of hiring Brian Kelly was trying to find somebody who'd built a program. Yeah. But then also going about supporting the program by by adding on the elements, growing it the way it needed to grow to be able to be competitive in the environment it was in. So, you know, we were nowhere in nutrition. We had to build that up. We were we were nowhere in sports science. We had to build that up. We we lacked the right facilities and on and on and on. And so sometimes you're just about needing to bring in a new coach. Right. Sometimes you're about we need to rebuild the program. And that's that's where we were. 
And so the, the, the big overview takeaway for me as I reflect on it is we got that done. Yeah. Foundationally, this thing is really strong. I got here in 2016, and they were just finishing up the buildings that now surround the stadium. You think about the video board that's been here since 2017, the new football facility. I saw it just as it was kind of coming out of that phase where it's moved into now, where it is state-of-the-art. As you leave, whenever that is at the end of the year, and you see those in the rearview mirror, will that be one of the things that you're most proud of, that that all came together, like you said, and, and the foundation is now here for whatever happens going forward? Yeah, without question. Um, um, a dear friend and colleague, John Affleck Graves, the executive vice president for a long time here, great guy who served this university so well, took me aside once and said, whatever you do, do not come forward with a plan to add premium seating to the stadium. It'll cost you your job. Um, and, and that was like, that was like meat to a dog. I was just like, all right, I know what I'm going to do now. Um, <laughs> Top of the list. Um, but, but I, but it was, it was a good caution, right? You couldn't just do that. That, that wasn't Notre Dame. And so, um, I actually started by thinking about how to create a home field advantage because I got so frustrated after Every game here, the opposing AD would come up to me and say, boy, we love playing here. Mm. I said, I don't want you to love playing here. I want you to hate playing here. And so it started down a path of how do we make it a harder venue to play in. But in the course of thinking about that, I realized that wasn't the issue at all. It was a real estate question. And that was campus had grown up around this stadium. You know, Rockney built it way off campus, way off campus. <laughs> Even when I was here a million years ago, you felt like you needed to pack lunch to go to the football stadium. Um, and campus had grown up around it. Mm -hmm. And so the real question was, how do you take that venue and make it useful to the university on a year-round basis rather than 10 days a year? Yeah. And that's what led to the vision of adding. The initial proposal was four buildings. Um, including one on the north side. Yeah, um, block some vistas, I think, right? Well, we was going to be a low building. Okay, we okay. We wouldn't do that. We also, the original plan also had a bridge over to the Joyce Center, which I, on cold days I miss. Um, but, but yeah, that was the notion, right? Make it, make it a really compelling building on a year-round basis for the students and faculty and visitors to campus, and we achieved that. I'm a little partial here because I worked on the staff <clears throat> that was heavily involved with the first couple years of the video board. But now that it's been around for six years, it's hard to remember. There was some pushback oh, on, their, <laughs> on there being a in-venue video board. Now it feels like the thing, everyone's kind of accepted it. They look forward to seeing what's going to be on there. You mentioned home field advantage. I'd love to hear you speak to what the impact you've seen from that video board and if you can go back and remember how much pushback you did get. Oh, there was enormous resistance. It mm. was sort of a, um, an absolute can't-go-there point for a lot of people. They thought it would ruin the feel of the stadium, the mm. history of the stadium. Um, and, you know, the good news is we could point to Wrigley Field and Fenway Park and say, I think they're still pretty great facilities, and they've got phenomenal video boards. But the, the way we really sold it in was sort of a Notre Dame way. We said, look, we think we need it for football and to create the right environment. But think of all the other things we do during the game that get lost. You know, we bring a faculty member out on the field and honor them, and no one's paying any attention. We announce the mass schedule, right, and no one's paying any attention. 
Heck, now the mass schedule announcement is one of the highlights of the game with Father Pete. Yes. Everybody goes crazy. But it, it was it, it was the reinforcement that we'd use it not just to add to the excitement of the game, but to send Notre Dame messages. Um, and also we wouldn't use it for commercial purposes. There wouldn't be any advertising on it. And so it was helping people understand there could be a way to do it which fit with Notre Dame. We also wouldn't have been able to see Obi in the stands. We wouldn't have been able to see Obi. Um, we actually had a recruit come in early in my time here who on his visit to the stadium said, you guys can't be very serious about football because there's no video board. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I thought, he's right. You know, that's the impression mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to create here. Yeah, it's it, the, the first time I saw one of our players running for a touchdown, watching the video board to see where the – the pursuers were. Mm-hmm. I was so proud. I thought, man, that's great. We helped. We helped score a touchdown. I, I can confirm too. Being in the replay room, the few times we've managed to get a, I think there was a Durham Smythe catch, maybe twenty seventeen or eighteen. He was in. They called him out, and immediately on the video board, his feet were shown in bounds. Crowd goes crazy. You'll never convince me the officials would have reviewed it before the next snap without that. So I, we, we took a lot of pride in it. It was, it was great to see. No, that's great. And you know, the other thing we're we do the same thing everybody else in the world does, but our coaches have preferences for what they can see on the video board, mm-hmm. right? And so we're careful to, okay, you, you you want this angle so you can evaluate this part of what we're doing? We'll, we'll show you that angle. I want to go back a few years. It feels like both it was just a couple of days ago and then also a lifetime ago. 2020, I, I haven't really talked to you about this, but just getting through that year, specifically football, I mean, there, there was a time where it seemed like maybe there wasn't going to be a season and there was and there were all these protocols, was that the toughest portion of the, like that the time frame? Was that the toughest time in your position or was there another time? I just think that getting through COVID had to be such a unique challenge that you'd never seen before and, and hopefully we'll, we'll never see again. Um, it, it wasn't nearly the toughest, but it was among the most frustrating because mm-hmm. there was so much bad information floating around and I mm-hmm. thought the decision making was so askew in a lot of places and 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 we were on Zoom calls every day, you know, conference or CFP or, um, and it 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 was it was challenging. The great thing was being at Notre Dame and and having the clarity that this place has. When Father John announced we'd come back to school, for me, coming back to school meant we're playing sports. Yeah, it's part of Notre Dame. If 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 we're coming back to in person education. Part of that in-person education includes playing sports. And our decision was pivotal to the college football season. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to overstate it, but, you, you know, you had the Big Ten and the Pac-12 say we're not playing. The ACC, SEC, and Big 12 had a working agreement that if any one of them decided not to play, the other two wouldn't. And... Um, that really came down to us, and and I had a reporter call me during it and say, "I want I'm going to ask you whether you're going to play football this year, but I want you to know you're the 12th AD I've called, and the first 11 said it depends on what Notre Dame does." Wow. Um, and so I, I felt I had clear marching orders based on the university's decision, and we went forward. And you know, I I took personal offense to people who thought we weren't being responsible. Mm-hmm. We thought the better evidence was we could go forward safely, and and time proved us right. Yeah, you mentioned the CFP. 
I think that's a topic that interests a lot of people. It's at four teams. It's going to go to 12. You've been involved with trying to, I think, optimize this process. Where do you see the future of it? What do you like about what we've seen from the CFP? And, and what do you think it's going to look like as it goes forward? I'm very excited about the future of the CFP. And I must say, that four-person working group that I worked with for a year and a half, um, Greg Sankey, the mm-hmm. commissioner of the Big 12, Craig, Craig Thompson, Mountain West, and Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12, was about the most enjoyable committee assignment. My world's full of committee assignments <laughs> uh, that I had in my time here. They were, they were great colleagues, great to work with. Nobody brought a prejudice into the room, and we just worked our way through hundreds of models to come out to the one we came out to. And um, I'm really excited about it. One of the things we did was mapped out the prior 12 years with every model we developed. And when we looked back at this one and said, boy, look at these first round matchups. These are gonna be extraordinary. And then the quarterfinals they led to, and so it, it, it became a compelling model for us. But I'm so excited. You're gonna get some first round games that are just unbelievable. There's a world in which Notre Dame's hosting, you know, Georgia here in a playoff game. Just thinking about that, like I get goosebumps thinking about, yeah. and it's going to be a cold weather game. Bring an SEC team up here. That that has to be, especially as you move out of the role you're in and going to be a Notre Dame alum and fan. What excites you the most, right? Oh, absolutely. I think, I think we're going to have some really memorable games, high stakes games that we get to host. Mm-hmm. You know, we gave up the right to get a buy. Right. Um, as part of getting this model adopted. But the result is we'll probably be a first round host more than most institutions. Mm-hmm. Be an interesting time of year to host. Campus will be closing and the weather will be challenging, but I think it'll be it'll be a great football environment. Um, as part of this process, some of my colleagues developed a a concept in here that the host institution could, at its option, relocate the game somewhere else hmm. uh, if it chose to. And, and, and these were all schools who were, or, or institutions that were working on assumption that a northern school would want to go somewhere, like to an indoor venue. Yeah. It was bad weather. And I'm thinking, oh, no, <laughs> that's sort of perfect. Give, yes. me, give me 12 inches of snow yeah. and, and let's go. I love that. I want to talk about the football program and its future. And you mentioned you brought in Coach Kelly and really kind of turned the, the program back in the direction it's supposed to go. Everyone I talk to, and I talk to him every week with Coach Freeman, it's it's glowing reviews. He's the kind of guy you want in this job. But from my standpoint, I grew up on the West Coast. I knew Notre Dame because they're on NBC. And I knew them as the team that used to be good. And I grew up in the 90s, and it was the team that was great in the 80s and before that. I get the sense now, like, because of this sustained success – they're the team they're supposed to be. As as you look forward, where do you want Notre Dame to be as Coach Freeman takes this team on his journey as the head coach? We need to win a national championship. Um, and we shouldn't be shy about articulating that. Um, we got off track a little bit. It's taken some time to sort of rebuild that foundation and get it right. But we have the right head coach. I think we've got the best stadium in the country. I think we've got the best indoor practice facility in the country. We will address the football operations center next, and when we do that, we'll have the best complement of facilities of anybody. So we've got all the pieces, and I personally feel more strongly today than the day I made the decision, but I think we've got the right head coach to take us there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, 
there are a lot of things there are a lot of things I'll miss um, as I approach the end of my time here. But um, not being there on when they win that national championship will be high on the list. <laughs> I was going to get you out of here with a question along those lines. Just this is your last football season as the AD. You've got more time in this role as the rest of the seasons progress. But when you do return to a game, whenever that may be, again as a alum. What do you think that experience will be like? Will you get to watch the games any differently, or will you still be in the back of your head very much invested as the former AD? I'm, I'm not a fan. I have a vested interest in this whole process. Yeah, it'll be the latter as long as people, students I know or people I hired are part of the program, okay. right? You'll you'll have that view. I haven't decided yet whether I'll come back, right? I mean, that's... Okay. That's a big deal. Yeah. It, 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 uh, That'll be a challenge for me to sort of work work through that. I may be better off sitting at home throwing things at the television. Um, but, but yeah, no, I mean, listen, this has been the privilege of a lifetime. Um, you know, doing it at your alma mater is special. Doing it at this place is incredibly special. So uh, it, it's been great. And, you know, the people I've gotten to work with, the the problems I've gotten to try and solve, it's all just been so great. Um, it's, it's, it is the privilege of a lifetime. Well, Jack, I, I hope we're going to get you back on one more time before your time here is done. But as far as a football capsule, this has been great. Uh, I want to thank you for just empowering this department to have the creativity to put on a show like this. This is my seventh or no, this is my eighth year. I think actually being associated with Notre Dame, it's always fun to come work in this environment, follow the football team, obviously, but we get to do a lot of cool stuff and it trickles down from the top. So, so thanks for what you've done obviously 16 years, but the eight years I've been here, it's really made being around this place special and fun. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And you bring up something that's really important to me. When when people ask me the legacy question, one of the first things I always cite is Fighting Irish Media. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got here, we had no digital media presence at all. And I felt so strongly that that was critical for Notre Dame to to develop and have that voice as a national institution. And when I look at the work this department does and you and your colleagues do, I mean, the headset video coming off the Duke game, the last two uniform reveals, the fun we had with uh, J.D. Bertrand the other day telling him he was a Campbell Award finalist. Nobody else is doing that. No one else has that that quality of production and creativity and um it's one of the things I'll be most proud about as I leave. It's been amazing to see it evolve. Thanks for the time, and uh, hopefully talk to you soon. Thanks, and be Irish. 80-degree game days are long gone, Irish fans. It's time to start thinking about tires, winter tires. Our friends at TireRack.com, presenting sponsor of Wake Up the Echoes, have what's right for you. Headquartered just a few minutes from Notre Dame Stadium, their experts know a thing or two about driving through winter's worst. They spend months on their test track and at the Compton Family Ice Arena collecting data so you can get the tires to tackle whatever comes next. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. It's now time for our From the Irish segment presented by TireRack.com as we wrap up this week's show. And it's going to be a little bit different for this episode. As you know, we're coming to the end of the football portion of Wake Up the Echoes. Marcus Freeman will be back two weeks from now to talk about the Wake Forest game and preview the final regular season game against Stanford. So next week, we get our first chance to talk to new Notre Dame men's basketball coach, Micah Shrewsbury. It'll be his first appearance on this show as we turn towards basketball season. That means that my challenge to you 
for this week's From the Irish segment is to submit us your all-time men's basketball starting five for Notre Dame. You can either tweet us at the Fighting Irish, or you can submit your questions or to the question portal that we normally have you come to for all of our guest submissions. We want to know who your top five starting five for men's basketball all-time is for this week's From the Irish question presented by TireRack.com. That'll also do it for this week's show. want to thank again our guests this week, including Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick and, as always, Marcus Freeman for taking some time this week on the show. We'll talk to you next week with Notre Dame men's head basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury on Wake Up the Echoes. Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireRack.com, is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour.